This message is a product of Vortex Church in Albemarle, North Carolina. We thank you for engaging this conversation. Messages like this one are great resources to help us grow, but they cannot replace being a part of a local church. If you're not actively a part of a church, we encourage you to find one near you that fits you, visit it, and get involved. And we hope this message gives life to you today. Enjoy. Well, welcome everybody. It's so good to be here with you today. Uh, my name is Kevin, and I, I just want to let you know, today we're ramping up a, a series we, we kicked off just a few weeks ago called uh, With a Little, and we're, we're going to specifically look today at that, that topic of what do you do when you only have a little? What do you do? And I, and I think that what you're going to see is that there's, there's a plan. God's got a plan for that. But next week, how many of y'all know we just got through Thanksgiving? How many of y'all ate too much? Right, anybody? I asked earlier, asked a few people how, how Thanksgiving was. The universal answer was, I ate too much food. Okay, that's, that's how Thanksgiving was. I ate too much food. And, and I think we can all maybe identify with that. But the, the good thing about now that Thanksgiving is, is over, one, let me just say this. Our, our time of being thankful doesn't end, all right? I mean, I, I think it's so ridiculous that we live in a culture where we go straight from Thanksgiving, a day where we declare all the things that we're thankful for, right into Black Friday, where we get absolutely crazy about getting something that we don't need at a good price, okay? I mean, it's just weird. It's weird. But, but as Christians, thankfulness is something that should permeate our existence. We, it should be something that follows us every day, every season. We should be looking for the things to be thankful for. But it does mean that we are now officially into Christmas, right? How many of y'all are excited about that? Some of y'all had your Christmas trees up for a month. How many of y'all already got your Christmas tree up? How many of y'all don't even have a Christmas tree yet? Some of us, okay? Y'all my people, all right? That's where we're at, all right? Yeah, I get it. I get it. But some of y'all been, how many of y'all been listening to Christmas music already, right? Y'all are just excited, all right, so next week we kick off uh, Christmas at Vortex, our Christmas series this year. And uh, as you walk out today, here's the thing. You've got some people in your life right now that are praying for solutions for God to show up in their life. And you, you were there at one point. And, and the way, for many of us, the way that God showed up in our life is God sent somebody. And that somebody, when they showed up in our life, gave us an invitation. They might have invited you into a relationship with Jesus Christ. They might have invited you into your next step of faith. And they might have invited you to church. Okay, And that's a really powerful thing that we have as believers and followers of Jesus, the power of an invitation. And so what we're going to do is on our way out today, we're actually going to give you a, an invite card. We're going to give you an invite card and invite you to pray about, think about, believe in this season. Who could I invite that's in my life that's right now? I may not even know it, but they're praying for the answer that God can bring when they come to church. And right now, you might have those people in your life. And so as you walk out, we're going to have these cards for you. Literally could change somebody's life. And then I wanted to go ahead and get this out there today that we are going to do Christmas Eve services. All right, if you'll follow us on, on Facebook, we're going to put up the link where you can reserve, reserve some tickets. Now, we, we don't sell tickets, but we reserve them so that we don't get too many people coming to one particular night. We do this. So we're going to do Christmas Eve, not only on Christmas Eve, but the 22nd 
and the 23rd, and then the 24th. 22nd and 23rd are at 6.30 p.m., and then the, the Christmas Eve service is at 4 p.m. And so you'll be able to reserve tickets online. And again, they're free. This is a great opportunity if you have somebody in your, your life that's not connected to a life-giving church and they need God to intervene in their life. You've been praying for them. This is a great opportunity for you to invite them to come to church with you. We believe we're praying for those services. We believe God's going to do something amazing in people's lives through that. Now, today we're, we're going to wrap up this series called With a Little, and, and I'm going to really talk to you if you're in a place today where you feel like you don't have a lot, where, where you feel like I, I only have a little. How many of y'all, if you look at your life and all the responsibility that you have and all the things you're supposed to do, you just go, I don't have a lot of time. How many of y'all feel that way? There's some of us, okay? Some, everybody else is lying, okay? I'm just kidding. It's, it's a common thing, and so many of the tensions that we live with actually revolve around the, the, the concepts of little and more. I mean, I mean, think about it. The, the stress you feel in your marriage, it, it, it comes often from, I, I want more of your attention. I want more of your time. I want more of your affection. I'm getting too little of those things from you. I want more. All right, maybe right now you're, you're stressed because you, you want to give more in this season, but, but maybe you financially don't feel like you can. You, you feel, maybe some of you feel like you need more in, in this area of research. So much of the tensions that we live revolve around the concepts of, of little and more. And, and, and what I, I just want to say this to set this up. Most people who are living with more have more because they were faithful with a little. Now, we can get around people and we can say, well, well, they have, they have more money so they can do that. Or, or they, their kids have left home and they have more time so they can do that. And, and we can get around people and we can say, well, they have more because they have more. But most people who have more have more because they were faithful with a little. And, and, and a lot of times when we deal with this tension between more and little, we get it wrong. And, and if y'all look, look at me, just look at me in the eyes for a second. I'm going to be a friend for you in a second, okay? I'm going to tell you two ways that we get this wrong. It's go, one of these is going to hurt your heart a little bit, okay? One of them is one of them's gonna, you're going to feel oh, probably even a little insulted by it. I don't mean to. I'm just going to tell you the truth. I love you enough to do that. We're going to be that kind of friends, okay? I'm going to tell you the truth. We get it wrong. We get the tension between more and little wrong. And one of the ways we do that is we pridefully assume we can earn more when we have a little. We can earn more by working harder. That, that if I just put in more effort, if I just try harder, if I, if I, I know that I didn't have enough time to do that today, but if I'll just try harder to manage my time tomorrow, then I'll have time. I know that, that I don't have enough money for that right now, but if I work harder, I can earn more money. We pridefully assume, and the, the pride is there in that we will earn it, that we will earn it. That we can, we can easily, if I, if I just work harder, I, pride assumes that I can earn it. And we see this present in, in the, uh, a story that 
is told to us about the life of Jesus in Luke chapter 10. In Luke chapter 10, the, the Bible, the writer Luke tells us a story about Mary and Martha and Lazarus. And these are Jesus' friends. And, and what you're going to see about them real quickly is that Jesus felt real comfortable with them. He, he came over and spent time with them. He, he wanted to sit down and have meals with them. How many of y'all want to have the kind of friendships where people want to come and be at your house? They want to come and be around your family. They want to come and sit down and talk to you. Jesus felt safe. He felt comfortable. He felt like he could be himself with Mary. Mary and Martha. and La Now they weren't, listen, they weren't perfect. And we're going to see that today. When, when Jesus shows up in Luke 10, it, it's kind of assumed that he was unannounced. He did not tell them that he was coming. And, and, and it seems like Mary is, is very frustrated because she was maybe like some of you. She wanted everything to be perfect. And so Jesus shows up and she gets busy cleaning. She's, she's rearranging the, the furniture and she's you know dusting the shelves and she's doing the dishes. And, and all the time that she's working, Martha, her sister, most believe her younger sister, sitting at the feet of Jesus. And she does what every sibling does. She comes to Jesus to tell on her sister. All right? Now, I don't know about you, but we have three kids. I have a 10-year-old girl, an 8-year-old boy, and a 4-year-old boy. And every one of them, I know when they are walking up, if they're about to tell on their brother or sister. It's just something that's apparent in their body language, in the tone of their, it's coming. And, then, you know, you just get sick of that a little bit as a parent. Just stop telling me. I don't care that they took your toy. Just go figure it out amongst you guys. I'm tired of this. Well, Jesus is there, and she's going to complain. She comes up, and she's like, Jesus, I'm working so hard to get the house ready for you, but Martha is not helping me at all. She's just sitting there, not doing anything. Won't you tell her to help me? And Jesus looks at her and says, there is only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it, and it will not be taken away from her. Now leave that verse up there. I want you to see they're they're, they're very concerned. Mar Mar or Mary is or Martha's very concerned about about what's going on. Mary's sitting at his feet, just very. She's very content, just listening to Jesus. Martha's like, no, but but it it, it won't be perfect until we get the house in order. We, we've got to get everything straight. If we don't, we and what's going on? Is she saying, you know, Jesus, we we got to earn this moment. If it's, not, if it's not perfect, we, we don't deserve it. But did you notice what he said? No, Martha, there's only one thing that's worth being concerned about. You're concerned about many things. You're concerned about whether the dishes are done and whether the floor is clean and whether the living room is arranged. You don't need to be concerned about that. Mary has found the one thing that is good that we all need to be concerned about. And what is that? The one thing worth being concerned about is Jesus. It really comes back to pride. And in pride, what's happening here is, is, is Martha is saying, I've got to earn it. If I'm not good enough, if the house isn't good enough, if I don't work hard enough, I, I can't earn this moment with you. I've got to get it all together so that I can earn this moment. And he's saying, no, listen, your, your sister has humbled herself to sit at my feet. All it takes is humility. 
That's what pride says. Pride says we earn it, but humility sees it as a gift and a blessing. I mean, some of you right now, when you look at the proceeds of your job, you go, Those, that's my money. I earned it. I earned it. I deserve it. I went to work every day. And yes, you were faithful to go to work every day. But the truth is, is that this is many of our testimony. We were praying, God, I need that job. Would you lead me to the right job? Would you open the right doors? God opened the door for you to have that career. He gave you the gifts and the talents and the skills that you need for it and in the end we were faithful with it but we didn't earn it it's a gift it's a blessing because here's what we need to see we need to see that pride says we earn it you you know we, we spent the last few weeks looking at the parable of the talents which is three servants that were given different amounts of money and in the end when the master comes back two of them had put that money to work and they had multiplied it and one of them hadn't do you know that every one of those servants had one thing in common? Their starting point was what they were given. There's, and your starting point is what you've been given. And it is pride that assumes that I can earn my way to somewhere else. But that's not the only way we blow it. Here's another way. We fearfully assume the little that we hold is all we'll be given. It's fear. It's fear and that, that I, I've only got a few friends. And, and God, I might have to compromise myself morally for those friends, but, but I'm never going to have friends like them. I'm never going to have anybody that understands me that way. God, I only got a little bit of time, and so you know what? I just need some me time. Y'all leave me alone for a little bit. I need to actually get away. I'm just going to watch my show for 30 minutes. This is all the time I've got. Fearfully assume the little we hold is all that we've been given. There's another story with Mary and Martha and Lazarus that comes in John chapter 12. And in John chapter 12, Mary again is confounding all the people in the room when she reacts to Jesus. Because in John chapter 12, the, the gospel writer John tells this story. He was there. He watched it happen. That, that Mary went into her bedroom and came out with an expensive oil. And, and she goes to Jesus and she pours the oil over Jesus to anoint. This would have been a sign of, of setting somebody aside and apart. This was the highest honor that they could do in their house. They were anointing Jesus. But the gospel writer also records the way that somebody in their, their crowd reacted and that's Judas. Now, we know Judas because Judas is going to betray Jesus. But watch what happened. That perfume, this is what he says, that perfume was worth a year's wages. It should have been sold and the money given to the poor. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. That sounds like a valid point, doesn't it? It sounds like, that seems legit. I mean, that seems like, I mean, it seems like a very valid kind of complaint. But what's going to happen here is the gospel writer includes a caveat to let us understand that that's not really what he meant. Notice what he says in the very next verse. Not that he cared for the poor, for he was a thief. And since he was in charge of the disciples' money, he often stole some for himself. Now listen, what's happening here is what psychologists would call it. It's a, a, a scarcity or a poverty mindset. And this, this says that there's, there's only a little, and the little 
I've been, I've been given. I, I've got to hold on to it because if it's taken away, I'll never get anything like that again. It's, it's the, the brokenness that leads to stuff like, like hoarding. And it leads to people who stay in broken, harmful, abusive relationships. It's, it's scarcity. It's poverty. And I, I want to remind you of this because this is so important. Your little, your little came from God. And he has a purpose in giving it to you. And a lot of times, here's how we get this wrong. When we feel like we only have a little and, and I don't know if I'm ever going to get any more. We go two different directions. We go, I'm going to live it up for a while. I've got, I've got a little bit. I've got to wait. I, I mean, I don't know if I'm ever going to get to buy another Xbox or I'm ever going to go on that trip. I don't know because I've got right now, I've got enough for that. And I need to live it up right now. Or we go the opposite direction, which is like, no, I just, I, I'm going to hold on to it. I, mean, I don't know that I'm ever going to get anything like this ever again. I don't know that I can ever buy any. This, I'm just going to hold on to this. Both of those are bro- because they don't recognize that when God dropped that blessing into your life, He did it for a reason. He has a purpose for everything that He's given you. And what I've, I've come to see is that what you do with your little is what sets up your next step in life. Now, I'm, I'm just going to say this. Some of us came in because we broke the cardinal rule of Thanksgiving and talked politics with our family, okay? How many of y'all have done that before? And it doesn't go real well, right? There's a lot of, lot of opinions in those rooms. And what happens is we, we talk about those things, and there are people that we love, and what happens, I, I want to show you how a little, when it's mishandled, can become the wrong thing. Because well, what happens? There's maybe two words or two sentences that we hear it, and we get what? Offended. Now, I, I want you to just know, next week, I'm, I'm going to preach a message. And if you've struggled with that, with, with you've struggled to listen to people who have different opinions than you, you you've struggled with being offended, you, I, I want you to see next week how the birth of Jesus Christ transforms all of that. It's going, I, I'm, I'm telling you, it's going to be powerful. I don't want you to miss it. But what do we do? We have, it's a little thing, and when we decide to become offended, we make it a big thing. Two words becomes two weeks. Two minutes becomes two years. It's little, and it sets up the next step, how we react to it. It's not only just in that, but, but think about opportunity. Some of you might have some little things in your life that feel like this is an opportunity, but it doesn't feel real big. It doesn't feel significant. But here's the thing. we got to be faithful with the little, and the promise of God is that when we're faithful with the little, we'll be trusted with more. All right, so today I want to look at a story that comes out of 2 Kings chapter 4. And, and I want you to see today that when you're in a place where you only have a little, God has a plan for you. When you're, when you're in a place where you're like, I only got a little energy, I only, got, I only got a little time, I don't have a lot of money these days, it's all, I just feel like I only have a little money. Wherever you are, wherever your little is, God has a purpose and a plan, and here's what it is, God's going to show up in your little, and He's going to show to you that He is faithful. He's going to show you that you can trust Him with it when we do it the right way. And in 2 Kings chapter 4, there's a story of a widow who only has a little, but she is willing to be faithful with it. 
So I love this story. We'll get in verse 1. One day, the widow of a member of the group of prophets came to Elisha and cried out, My husband who served you is dead, and you know how he feared the Lord. How many of y'all have ever been there? I feel like I've been doing life right. Why is this bad stuff happening? All right, I feel like, God, I just look at, look at where I've been. God, look at, I'm, I've been trying to live for you. Why is this difficult stuff happening for me right now? This is where this woman is. But now a creditor has come threatening to take my two sons as slaves. Now, this is a very interesting opening verse because most scholars actually believe that this is the widow of Obadiah. Obadiah was an Old Testament prophet, and, and, and we know that, that based on the context that the, the husband had, had been in ministry with Elisha and knew him, and we, we kind of see the contextual evidence for that with Obadiah. There's a great book in the Bible that tells, tells you about his ministry, um, but we know in his book that Obadiah borrowed money to feed the house of God. The, the house of God was struggling. He borrowed money so that he can do that. And then he died an untimely death. So what's going on right now is that he has creditors. He died not having paid his bills. And those creditors legally in his day, in his day and age, they could take your offspring and imprison them and enslave them for years. It was legal. They could take your wife and they could enslave them for years. And so here he, his widow is coming saying, listen, the creditors have finally come, they're calling, the, they're calling the mortgage, they're asking for the money, we don't have it. So I love how Elisha responds, look at this, what can I do to help you? He, he's not mad, he wants to help. He wants to help and you're going to see that God is going to show up in this moment when it feels like everything is broken and everything is lost, God is going to show up and he's going to show himself powerful. I love this. So he turns her and says, tell me, what do you have in the house? Now, that's a big question for us today. And we're going to lean into that. All right. Now, notice her response. Nothing at all. Well, except the flask of olive oil. Except the flask of oil. Now, the term that's used there for flask is probably not what we think of a flask. When you think of flask, you think, I'm about to go to a party. I need to take a specific beverage. It's kind of enough that I can have a little fun while I'm there. I know, I know that's, but this is a much small, same concept, but smaller. Probably only about two ounces. And so when you look at this container, it would have been a very small container that carried olive oil. Now, I don't pay any attention when I go to the grocery store, which is why I don't go to the grocery store very often. I mean, I just get stuff and put it in the cart. I'm like, that looks good. I'm the worst person. I'm the one grocery stores want me to come shop at their grocery I don't look at the price. I don't look at how much it's going to cost. I just throw that in the cart, throw that in the cart, and then we get up front, and I pay for it, and I... Praise God, that's how much it is we're going home. That's why my wife does all the grocery shopping. But what I do know is that one of the most expensive things that we'll buy, especially by weight, is olive oil, even today. Even today. And in those days, it was significantly more expensive. This was the oil that they cooked with. It was very costly to produce, and it was very costly to manufacture the resources. Involved. And so it was very expensive. So most people would have only had a small amount. And so she says, what do you have in the house, right? 
not, nothing. Well, I, I do have a small jar of olive oil. I want you to see something, that his attention was, listen, you're looking everywhere around you for the answer to your problems. Too often, we're looking outside for what we can only find inside. We're standing before God and saying, God, you won't change this and this and this in my life, and that's why I don't have peace. And God's saying, no, you don't have peace because you won't do the work on the inside. We look on the outside and blame God for when God is trying to point us to the inside where you can only find it on the inside. And watch what happens next. And Elisha said, borrow as many empty jars as you can from your friends and from your neighbors. I'm going to break this verse down because it's so good. Then go into your house with your sons and shut the door behind you. Pour olive oil from your flask into the jars, setting each aside when it's filled. Now think about this miracle. Leave that verse up. This is what, it's a miracle from God that's happening. This small little container. They, they've brought all these jars, and she starts pouring it. She starts pouring it, and it keeps pouring, and it keeps pouring. But did you notice what he said at the beginning? Borrow. Borrow some jars. Borrow some containers. You want to know why he said borrow? Some of y'all need to hear this because you're going through something and the something that you're going through is not going to last forever. You only need to borrow the solution because the problem is not forever. And what did he say? Go to your friends and your neighbors. Go to your friends. and your, don't, just, don't just try to do this on your own. No, the, the way out is going to be with the people that are around you, that love you. you got to let somebody help you in this season. If you don't receive from other people around you, you're not going to have everything you need to get through this. And some of us need to recognize that sometimes we get in a season and the only way out is letting people help us. The answer is not in you. The answer is around you. And you got to be willing to receive it but not only is it that but but it's that we also are willing to be there for others i i, I see you going through. i want to be there for you i, I want to help you i, I want to serve you. you you need to do you can't afford let me let me help you do that i want i want to give I want to help you do that. Oh, you let me show up with it. I want you, you need some advice. I've been there. I've 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 struggled through that. I made some mistakes. You don't have to make those mistakes. Let me help you. Go to your friends and neighbors. And then this one, shut the door. When you get all that stuff and you come back in, here's what I want you to do. I want you to shut the door. Because I don't want the people on the outside to see what God is doing on the inside. Now, some of y'all have bought into the lie that we are sold consistently, especially through social media, that, that I, I want their, their marriage. Look at their marriage. I want that marriage. Look at the way that their family is. I want to be that kind of family. Look at, look at the way they're living financially. I want that. And the thing is, is that you might want what you see on the stage, but you don't want to go through what they went through in the backstage to get to what you see. Because what God does privately is what he amplifies publicly. God said, shut the door because you're going to walk in there and I'm going to do something in the private that nobody is going to see. And eventually it's going to get amplified in public and people are going to see that I showed up on your behalf. Shut the door. So look at the next verse, verse 5. So she did as she was told. I'm going to say this. 
there's some of us that that should be our life verse. Not she did as she thought best. Not she did as she was advised by her friends that have been through the same thing who are not living the life that you want. No, she did as she was commanded by the Lord. She did as she was told. Her sons, look at this, her sons kept bringing jars to her and she filled one after another. Soon every container was full to the brim. Bring me another jar, she said to one of her sons. There aren't any more, he told her. And there's something in that, and I want you to see this. And then the olive oil stopped flowing. See, sometimes we come to God and we say, God, I don't know that you can do this, but maybe you can try to do something that's almost as good as that. We limit the power of God when it comes to the things that God is going to do in our lives. But I want you to watch what happened here. The miracle of God was not contained by the power of God. It was contained by the containers that could receive it. It was only what they could receive that limited the miracle that God provided and some of y'all need to recognize that when God gets to work in your life he will do exceedingly abundantly more than you could ever imagine so look at what happens as this story wraps up when she told the man of God what had happened he said to her now that all of this is done sell the olive oil and pay your debts And you and your sons can live on what is left over. In this story, I love this story because God took a little. He took what was just a little and he turned it into a lot. So I'm I'm just going to break this down. Three simple observations for you today. And and if you're taking notes, here's the first one. you got to ask yourself, if you're in a season when you're dealing with a little, if you're in a season where you only have a little and you feel that tension, you got to ask yourself, what do I have in my house? What do I have in my house? What do I have? Did you notice what her first response was? It's probably what your response has been. You you, you probably haven't thought about it this way, but but it's probably what you've said to God. Did you know, Elisha said, what do you have in your house? She said, nothing. That's her first response. I don't have anything. And maybe right now in, in your, your life, when I ask you that question, what, what's, what's in, in your house? Proverbially, what, what is in your life right now? What do you have right now that God can do something with? You, you might be saying, I ain't got anything. And there, there's nothing here. But that's pride. That's pride. Pride w- will blame your circumstances for you not being obedient to God's direction in your life. Pride will look around and say, well, well, if God, if you would make that happen, and if they would be this way, and if this would, and, and God, if, if I would get this, and if this, then, then I will be obedient. And that's just pride. Did you notice, real quick shift for her, she goes from, well, I don't have, the, well, I have a small, here's the truth, I have a small, jar of oil that's all that's all I have left I have a little and you probably right now in your life you have a little you have a little that's there you might feel like you don't have anything you might have a little time 
You might have a little treasure. You might have a little talent. I don't know where you are, but there's a little there. And pride will look over your little and will neglect to see its value. It will neglect to see what God can do with it because it will dismiss it. It's going to blame you. It's going to shift the focus. It's going to cause you to not see what God sees. Proverbs 16, 18, this is from the message paraphrases. First pride, then the crash. The bigger the ego, the harder the fall. Here's the thing about pride that's really difficult. Pride always blames other people. It will blame other people for your problems. It will blame other people for why you're not healing from stuff that's happened to you. It will blame other people for your disobedience to God. But humility looks inside. Humility looks inside. I mean, here, here's the truth. Some of us need to take that step back and go, what, what do I have in my life right now? What do I have? It might, be, it might be a little offense that I need to let go of. It, it, it might be a little time, right? What, what do you have right now that God can use? I mean, you, you might be the mom, and I, and I understand this, who's like, after everything is done and the kids are finally to bed, I only have... 30 minutes to myself. It's all I've got. And then I've got to get to bed because if I don't get to bed, I won't be ready for tomorrow. And, and I know that. And I've, I, I mean, to be honest with you, we've lived through those seasons. But sometimes our flesh can want relief when our soul needs to be refreshed. And there's a big difference between those two. And what you need to do is you need to say, I only have a little, but God, I'm going to give it to you. And I'm going to release it to you. And I'm going to ask you to help me redeem this 30 minutes. It's not about feeling better. It's about getting better. And I want you to show up in that 30 minutes. Because 30 minutes with you can change my entire day tomorrow. So we've got to ask God, what, what do we have in the house? And then number two, we, we must release our little into the purposes of God. Can you imagine being this widow when she shows up to Elisha and he says, what do you have? I just got a, just a little oil. It's, it's a little jar. It's not very big. And he said, that's all you need. Can you imagine the confusion? Can you imagine... The disbelief that she, now she's seen God do some amazing things. But, but there in that moment, she was willing. It's the last thing I've got. I, I could hold on to it because I don't, I don't know when I'm going to get any more. Or you can release it. And she made the choice in faith to release what she was holding on to. I want you to see this, that only what you're willing to release will grow. Some of y'all have been there. Please tell me, or, or listen to me with this. If, if you feel like the only way I'm going to keep my marriage is if I control everything and it goes the way that I think it should, and if, and if I can tell my husband what to do and he'll do it everything, or I can tell my wife that she's got to be this way, no, that's, that's holding on. Only what you're willing to release will grow. When you live that way, you end up stifling and killing something. It's so apparent with parents. 
Okay, when we as parents are not willing to let go and release our kids, that's the job of a parent, to grow them, to be an adult, and to release them into this world to make a difference. That's what we want. But we can see when you're holding on to something that's supposed to be, it doesn't grow. It doesn't become healthy. It is really the context of an open hand and a closed fist. And some of us have been there. We've been, God's given us something good, and we're just trying to hold on to it. And we're just white-knuckling. God, don't take it away. Don't take it away. Don't take it away. And God's the very one who put it in your hand. Like, we need to remain open-handed. Open hand can receive whatever else God wants to put there. But it can also say, God, whatever you want to take, I'm here. And we can get in this argument where we start saying, God, I, kn- I know that you want to take that. I, want, I know you want me to release that, but I want to hold on to it. And really, God wants you to be obedient. And a lot of times we start arguing with God saying, God, but well, look at all the good things. I've been doing my devotion, and I'm, I've been trying to come to church, and I've been, I've been doing all these other things. And God's going, no, I just want you to listen to me and obey. In 1 Samuel 15, the prophet Samuel says this in regards to this. So Samuel replied, what is more pleasing to the Lord? Your burnt offerings and sacrifices or your obedience to His voice? Burnt offerings and and sacrifices, that's what people did when they come to church. That was their way of worshiping. That's our raised hands. That's our our being here. That's our bringing our kids to church. And some of us are going, well, well, I did all of that. And, And Samuel's going, no, listen, obedience is better than sacrifice. Like your feelings will follow your decisions. You don't need to be led. I don't feel like doing it. I don't feel like. No, do the right thing. Obey God and your feelings will follow. Obedience is better than sacrifice. And sacrifice is better than offering the fat of lambs. If you're taking notes, I'd write this down. Number three, trust that obedience with your little will lead to more. Trust that obedience with your little will lead to more. I I want you to to really lean into this with me as we wrap up this message. When we ask the question, God, what do you want from me? God, God does love those times. He does love our devotion to him. He does love the time that we spend. But the most important thing that we give God is our obedience. And some of us are trying to argue, but, but Jesus, I, I love you. I know I, lo- I love you, but I'm, I'm going to do this. It's the culture that we live in, right? I, we got T-shirts that say, I love Jesus, but I blank a little. But look at what Jesus said in Luke 6, 46. He said, so why do you keep calling me Lord when you don't do what I say? You know what Lord means? Lord means master or boss, and he's saying, listen, you you can't call me that if you're not being obedient and listening to me. Yeah, but I love Jesus, but I blank. No, you know what Jesus said in John 14? He said, if you love me, obey my commandments. It is not, I love Jesus, but it's I love Jesus, and that transformed the way I live. I was faithful when I only had a little. And God brought me out of that to a place where I could be faithful with a little more. Why? Because God is a God of more. 
And that's, I, I realize that when we say God is a God of more, that culturally that we push back against that because we've heard that portrayed in different ways that if you obey God, you're, you're going to get rich and happy. And, and that's obviously not true. And, but God is a God of more. I want you to look at this verse out of Ephesians chapter 3. When we were early in our church years, we used to stand up at the end of our services and read this because I wanted our people to get this verse so deeply in their hearts. Now all glory to God who is able through His mighty power at work within us to accomplish, look at this, infinitely more than we might ask or think. Infinitely more than we might ask or think. Glory to Him in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Now, we have a God that is able to do more. I love this verse because it reminds me that I might, I might be in a season where I only have a little. But if I'm, I'm faithful with the little, then I have a God who's going to lead me to more. So can I just ask you a few questions? What's in your house right now? What's in your house? What's in your life that you've looked at God and you said, I don't have anything it's nothing, and God's saying, no, it might feel like nothing. It's just little right now. And I need you to be faithful with what's little. What's your little? What is it in your life right now? What is something that you have kind of deemed, it's kind of outside of God's purposes. It feels insignificant. I don't know if that's ever going to be anything that matters. And it's a little but it's something that God needs to, in this season, use. What, what could happen if you trust God with your little? What could happen? So I'm, I'm going to tell you something. If you're willing to trust God where you're at, with the little bit that you have, He is able to do exceedingly abundantly more than we could ever ask, dream, or imagine. Thanks for listening. This podcast has been a production of Vortex Church in Albemarle, North Carolina. For more information on our church, we encourage you to visit us online at vortexchurch.com.